Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike, episode 101 today. We've got about three segments left, final hour of today's program. Still have a lot of ground to cover, though. I want to paint a picture for you of a circumstance and a debate which has been playing out across the country since you and I have uh, together come to combat this coronavirus. And that story is playing out in the prisons and jails around the country. I want to share with you real briefly a, a report from ABC News reporter Alex Perez. This is from a couple weeks ago, just outside of Cook County, uh, a jail in Chicago. He has this report. They have already released thousands of low-level, nonviolent inmates to help ease overcrowding. They're also now separating inmates, quarantining those that test positive and show symptoms, hoping to slow down the spread of the virus inside and outside. And then uh, just a few days after that report, we got another report from KSL News Radio's own Todd Fuchs talking about uh, an announcement here in the state of Utah. Here's Todd Fuchs. Wayne County, Utah, which holds Capitol Reef National Park, says it might be releasing some of its inmates early to stop the spread of coronavirus. In a joint statement with the Utah Sheriff's Association, the county said that they're looking at early release for elderly inmates or those with health problems who don't pose a physical safety risk to the public, as well as releasing inmates or offering bail for those charged with minor crimes. Wayne County Sheriff Dan Jensen says we're still arresting and incarcerating those charged with crimes that pose a danger to others. Todd Fuchs, KSL News Radio. Now for the next bit of this segment. I want to focus specifically on Salt Lake County. Joining me now is Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill, a friend of this program and a friend of yours. Sir, how are you? I'm great. And by the way, congratulations on reaching 101 episodes. Th- thank you so much. It's uh, It feels like a big milestone, but then when I look at the accomplishments of folks like Doug Wright and other uh, folks in this business who have laid down thousands and thousands of episodes, I realize that I I'm still a green newcomer, wet behind the ears, still trying to find my footing. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to folks well, like you, you know, for taking a chance on me. There's a saying: the, the, the journey of a thousand steps starts with the first one. So you're there. You All know? Right. Very good. <laughs> uh, listen. Well, thank you. We've been we've been talking about this this notion of how best to protect uh, inmates and prisoners uh, in jails and prisons around the country. You, sir, have uh, the the responsibility. Uh, of addressing things here yeah. in Salt Lake County. Uh, it was about a month ago that the ACLU filed a petition with the Utah Supreme Court to 
to provide what extraordinary relief they called it to yeah. various inmates in Utah jails across the state uh, looking to let the folks go who have not yet been sentenced, who have under, what, 180 days left on their sentence or those who uh, have some of the various comorbidities or are, find themselves in the high-risk groups. And you, sir, along with uh, Salt Lake County Sheriff Rosie Rivera, filed a, uh, a, a response to that uh, in opposition. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about your rationale there? Yeah, absolutely. Two things, first and foremost. One, when the COVID uh, pandemic was uh, uh, coming down, uh, we actually took an affirmative step in partnership with the, uh, our office and the, uh, and the sheriff's office and legal defenders to proactively start uh, releasing those who were low-level offenders awaiting adjudications who had substantially completed their sentences. And we did that with the two objectives in mind. One was to make sure that we, could, uh, we had an empty jail bed for any violent offender who was going to uh, continue to engage in this activity. So we didn't want to compromise on uh, public safety by having overcrowded jail. Uh, two, to create the greatest flexibility for the sheriff on the pandemic that was coming because we knew that concentrated spaces were going to be at a higher risk. As a result, when we took our affirmative steps, we started with about 2,100 prisoners on a capacity of about 2,150, and uh, and we have been able to reduce by almost 35 to 40 percent, uh, creating that flexibility where there was a COVID-19 out, uh, outbreak that occurred, but there hasn't been a positive COVID case in the jail from April 15th. Now, so we were already doing this. Then, on top of the heels of our affirmative action that we were doing and the steps that we were taking as county government and public safety concern, we get sued by the ACLU in this extraordinary petition, uh, uh, just putting forward a bunch of hyperbole, uh, no evidentiary understanding or factual understanding of what was really going on in Salt Lake County in the middle of a pandemic. So, uh, you know, we took, uh, we took uh, some strong uh, measures to respond back to that because while whatever the reality in New York might be or in Philadelphia might be, that is not what was happening in Salt Lake County. Uh, and we were being responsible uh, and we were trying to keep our community safe. And so we, uh, you know, took umbrage to that uh, litigation. And we, and we believe and we filed a response that it's a frivolous lawsuit in the middle of a pandemic, which is unnecessary. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we've already reduced our jail uh, population. We have, uh, the sheriff has taken mitigation steps where that anybody who comes into the jail is put in 14 days of quarantine first and then a secondary quarantine of 14 days. You go, they have to go 28 days symptom-free before they go into the general population. And all the infections that happened in the jail were at the Oxbow facility. They were not inside the, they were not inside the adult detention center. As a result, we have hovered between 35 to 40 percent reduction. The other step that we did is we started to make sure that we were bringing people in on summons rather than warrants on low-level offenses that were not a risk to the community. And that has been our underlying component. How do we stop the mitigation of this yeah. disease? And two, we will not compromise on public safety. So those are the steps that we took, Lee. And, and frankly, I'm very disappointed in that ACLU litigation. Let me ask you two questions, one specifically about this lawsuit and then about the steps you've taken earlier. First off, the ACLU, which has filed suit against your office, did they have any contact with you or with Sheriff Rivera before they filed this, uh, this petition? 
Our, we have always made ourselves available to the ACLU. Uh, we've always had an open door. We said we're more than happy to share. If they had taken the time to sit down and engage with us and other counties, they would have known. Because, look, uh, I, I, don't, I, I, am, I, I don't take umbrage for the fact that they're trying to do what they think is right. But in the process of that, what you do is you actually take an accounting of the facts of what you are complaining against. And they haven't and done that, did, in your estimation. They, they never did that with us. Mm. They never did that with us. T- t- time is real tight, sir. I want to ask you one okay. final question. You mentioned the uh, the, the reduction in inmates, uh, that, that proactive move uh, that you, along with the sheriff, took early on in this pandemic. C- c- how have those released offenders done? H- have you seen, have there been any consequences? Have there, have, has there been any uh, recidivism among those folks a- as you've let them go? Yeah, uh, so uh, we've had a few. Uh, that has done, but it has been a, a pretty amazing. It has not compromised in any uh, concerted way the public safety. So we are very mindful that, the, look, your rapist, your murderer, your uh, domestic violence offender, that physical assault is a person who's a risk to our community. Absolutely not. They're not going out, and we're keeping an empty jail bed for the next one who wants to engage in that conduct. The ones that we have released, we've had a couple uh, who have reoffended, but it has been minor and very small uh, compared to the uh, the number that we have released and the benefit that we've got as a uh, both for our taxpayers as well as our uh, safety issue and our responsibility to keep our community safe and in this pandemic time. All right, very good, uh, Sim Gill, Salt Lake County District Attorney, sir. I'm grateful to you. Uh, for your work and your service to the county. One last question. Any sense uh, of a timeline on this when we might hear back from the Supreme Court? Well, so we filed our response. They, the Supreme Court gave a opportunity for the ACLU to uh, reply. That reply brief, I believe, is due by the middle of next week. Okay. And after that, the, uh, the court will either make a decision or will move to oral arguments. All right. Uh, Very good. Sim Gill, my guest. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to another candidate for Governor Thomas Wright. would like to represent you and live in the governor's mansion. Uh, He also has some concerns with how the election process has gone thus far. As you well know, it has taken place in the midst of a pandemic. Unprecedented times have led to unprecedented action in the form of executive orders and judicial rulings. And that's not sitting so well with all the candidates. We'll speak to one such candidate next. Thomas Wright, my guest on Live Mike ahead. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.